Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. Today is Thursday, October 17th. We are previewing week eight of the ACC. Uh, a number of big games coming up, a lot of uh, really critical coastal games. We've got UVA and Duke. We've got North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Those are really going to go a long way when we are talking about the coastal representative in the ACC championship coming up. But before we talk about all that fun stuff, Tim, what's going on? Oh, Justin, it's mid-October. I've got a horror soundboard on my phone um, that can play some creepy tunes such as a glass shatter or a ghost whale. You see, I didn't know how the ghost whale was going to go. Um, I didn't know if that was going to be like a haunted sea creature or wow, if that, that was going to that be... just kept going. That was a long Yeah, that was uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the sounds on here... Ooh, would you like to hear a goblin laugh? Sure. That's a very generic goblin laugh. Yeah. So I've got these but sounds, good. and it's got me thinking. Um, what are you going to do for your Halloween candy game this year? Because i got to tell you what I don't want to be. I don't want to be one of those houses that I really hated going to as a kid. That just bought the generic, oh, here's a 36-pack of Snickers and Three Musketeers. Your kids have fun. I want to be the yeah. house that has a curated selection of well-thought-out and, 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 and spanning the gamut of, of, Chris, or of Halloween candies. So I'm talking, you got your fruit candies, right? So we're talking Skittles. Skittles are the king of the fruit candy. But you also want some flavored Tootsie Rolls in there. Maybe you get some bottle caps. I'm just saying you got to have a wide variety to go with the chocolates. And if you don't yep. have the white chocolate Reese's that are shaped like ghosts this season, don't even talk to me. Uh, so how many kids do you, you know, plan on hosting for your uh, Halloween candy bowl? Like how many kids are going to stop know, by your but, house? So I didn't count last year, but it was, it was a fair amount to where I needed a bigger bowl. So I underestimated... Um, like the so, houses are wait, really, really close together in my community. Ever, did you ever refill the bowl? No. No, I didn't okay. refill it. I mean, Let I had a comically you. large bowl. Okay, so Tim, I live in an area, a very dense community, uh, west side of Chicago, just outside of the city of Chicago limits, and I went through 17 pounds of candy last year. Oh, my God. 17 pounds of candy and so we were warned of you know the volume and here you know on halloween halloween the trick-or-treating times are from three to seven right so people take that day off you know i happen to take that day off anyways because it's the daughter's birthday she's a halloween baby so you know we have a pretty good time there you go and uh yeah so Last year, it was our first experience in the neighborhood because the year prior, we've lived here for about two and a half years. And uh, year prior, we were obviously in the hospital uh, yeah. waiting for the arrival of a, of a child. But yeah, last year, it was intense. So I haven't gone to Costco yet. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned because I'm, I'm starting to get that like itchy kind of close. Like if Costco doesn't have like that five bag that five pound bag of candy i'm screwed because i'm going to be spending a lot of money on amazon to buy candy and candy is expensive it's not cheap candy especially when you go out and get a variety um you know you want to mix it up so you can't just be the guy that buys the 20 pound bag of 
no the same no. candy so you know? for for anybody who's in a very high volume situation like myself little recommendation little little cheat code for you you know you can only get this here at chowder and grits fruit snacks you mix in fruit snacks and who doesn't love fruit snacks tim I feel like I like them more now than I did as a kid. I don't know if you've oh, noticed they're that. They're fantastic. They're but, fantastic. So we get a box for Audrey, and I'm not going to lie. I dust at least half that box. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I have any fruit snacks left over afterwards, I'm upset because I know I'm going to eat them. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no oh, doubt. Yeah. So No doubt. But, yeah, I mean, Halloween's a big deal here. Uh, so, you know, we, we took the... Uh, Took the little abster around the block last year, and I, you know, I had a full bowl of candy sitting out, you know, just doing the, uh, doing the trust game, the honor code. Came back, bowl was completely empty. Like it, we probably went around the mm, block, just just no. around the neighborhood block. You can't do. It that. probably took like fifteen minutes, but I didn't no, want to be like the house that was like not participating. Yeah, know? I know, I know, but there's always one bad apple that's gonna clean you out. You can't do that. And 99% of the kids are going to operate by the honor code. But that one rogue hellion that's out to just fill his pillowcase with candy, and he's probably 17 going on 18, he's oh. the guy that's going to clean you out. So that's the other thing. Like, I don't really recall the age where I stopped trick-or-treating. But I don't like it when kids that are taller than me show up at my door. No. That that's just kind of a rule for me. Like, hey, if you're taller than me, scurry on. <laughs> you're not welcome here. Halloween is for little kids. You know, I'm not the tallest guy in, in you know, in the locker room. I'm like five foot ten, okay? Maybe on a good day. Five eight, probably on a bad day. But I'm somewhere in between. Still, thirteen, fourteen year olds. I, I feel like that's kind of the cutoff, right? I don't know. Yeah, what, I mean, what is the cutoff? I don't know. I think I stopped at 12 to 13, somewhere around there. I remember that was a sad, sad day for me, that Halloween that I decided to go to a party or something. I would have much rather been trick-or-treating. I loved <laughs> trick-or-treating as a kid. I mean, that candy, you'd go home. Me and my twin brother would go out there. You know, you, you'd kill it on the candy. Um, you'd come back home. You'd sort the candy into the individual piles and then maybe do some haggling with your brother if, uh, you know, he, he was real into dots I don't know if you remember those candies, Dots. They were made by the Tootsie Roll Company, but they were like yeah, these yeah. chewy fruit globs that I swear they don't even sell in the stores, but they always got handed out on Halloween. He loved those things. So I was right. willing to move a couple of those Dots if it meant some Skittles coming back my way and things like that. Then you'd have your dad. You know, it was like Shark Week when, when the bags got tipped in my house. You know, dad started prowling. Um, he had to check the candy, quote unquote, to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Um, and so, you know, oh, obviously. He, he'd clean off like 15% right off the top, you know, but you know, that that's personal property tax as a kid. You understand how that works. Yeah. Um, but I miss it, man. I miss it so bad, but it's cool when you have a kid cause then you get kind of excited again. One, because then you get to be the dad on the prowl, you know, I'm not going to lie. You know, Audrey's going to tip over her basket and she's barely what she's going to be barely two and let's call it three quarters. Um, she she's not going to be able to to eat a whole lot of candy, uh, and she probably won't like half of it. So uh, you know, I'll get to swoop in and you know save the yeah. day and eat some candy. That'll that'll be the closer there. Yeah, yeah. We uh, I grew up in um, you know when I was in like elementary school, it was more of a neighborhood type of feel, and then we moved out towards the country, and trick or treating became quite a hassle. 
because it was one of those situations where the houses were, you know, two, three acres apart from each other. Ugh. And you had to, like, you know, your dad had to drive you around and you'd have to walk all the way up the driveway and, like, you'd maybe get to, you know, 15 houses. And that oh, was about no. it. So my, my heart breaks for you, Justin. You know, it's fine. I get, you know, the prime years, the prime years were good. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was kind of like Joe Montana in Kansas City. It just didn't end so well. So. Yeah, you know it, it is what it is. But uh, all right, give me a quick top three then. Your 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 top three uh, Halloween candies. Ooh, so top three Halloween candies. I love Gobstoppers. Mm, it's a good one. You know, uh, Sour Patch Kids is is at my top. I'm not going in order here. And uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Ooh, Reese's always pretty, clutch. Pretty always easy clutch. One for me. The white chocolate Reese's peanut butter cups that have come out in the past eight years, and they're sl- never heard of those. What? I try. I, I literally. I haven't been down a candy aisle. Outside of for Halloween shopping, I, I just don't eat candy. I'm disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even say I actively eat candy, but I'm not gonna lie. I, I keep up with the times. You always got to go down the candy aisle and see what's you know what's new. M and M's are just on the bleeding edge of innovation lately. I mean, they'll throw anything in an M&M nowadays. Jalapeno M&Ms, candy corn M&Ms, uh, hazelnut spread M&Ms, some Nutella M&Ms, um, you know, but nothing beats the classic peanut M&M. So I'm going to go Skittles, peanut Skittles. M&Ms. Okay. Uh, let's do a throwback uh, and do shock tarts, even though I don't know if they're a thing anymore. Oh, yeah, they're a thing. I've seen them. Okay. Um... I uh I've never been a huge peanut M&M's guy. Justin, we may have to cut this pot early. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I got into this relationship <laughs> thinking you were a sane and normal human being. I'm more um, of a I'm more of a just the milk chocolate give me the regular. Mm-hmm. And uh I've just the peanut M&M's and I love peanuts. The peanut M&M's have just never done it for me. I don't understand you. And I've like, never I, felt I, like listen. I could not relate to you at any point in my life. That time is now. <laughs> Listen, I I haven't had them in probably a decade. So, it's not you're not helping your case right now. Yeah, so I mean, maybe if I had some, you know, I'm gonna be on a flight tomorrow. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get a no. I'm not gonna do that. I'm trying to watch my carb intake. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that'll blow that right out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Man. So, yeah, no, just not a peanut M. You know, I liked the crispy M and M's for a minute, and then. Yeah. I tried them again. I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm just going to go back to the milk no, chocolate. I, I'm not a, you know, I didn't like those because it was like the crispy really had no flavor. It was just like, here's dried rice uh, material in the middle of your M&M. Now, if you want to talk about the peanut butter centered M&Ms, I'll listen to you all day. Those are great. Those sound um, interesting. I haven't had those either. I mean, you like Reese's. So if you like Reese's, naturally, I think you like the peanut butter filled M&Ms. That's like the rule. But I don't like Reese's Pieces. I'm just... I'm going to struggle to get through this episode. I'm going to. My, my, my current candy knowledge is literally like if I'm in the grocery aisle, like checkout line, looking at the, you know, what, whatever that magazine is. I can't remember. The uh, Inquirer, you know, and whatever candy is like right next to that. I just kind of like read the headlines and read the bags. And that's, that's, basically it i just try not to eat it so well look yeah, i'm sorry to disappoint if you, you need candy tips i don't want you to select some bad candies here i feel like you know you're going to be scraping in plain m&ms into your bag and 
you know, I got to help you out, man. Well, listen, it's, there's nothing wrong with plain M&Ms. Look, there's nothing wrong with plain M&Ms, but there's something wrong with them when you compare them to the great peanut M&M. So here's the deal. Just make sure you get a variety. If you're going to get Skittles, don't just get Skittles original. <laughs> get some wild berry, get some tropical, get some sour. Get a bag with all four of those. Make sure you I, get I like some, the sour. Yeah. Get some flavored Tootsie Rolls. I'm telling you, flavored Tootsie Rolls slap. Okay, get some chocolate. You're going to want to mix in some chocolate too, but not like Three Musketeers chocolate that nobody wants. No almond joys, even though I will tell you this. Uh, mounds? I'll eat a Mounds, okay? I didn't like them as a kid, but you know, you hit 25, that coconut shredded filling really starts to, to get at you. So Yeah, get yeah some, I can throw one of those in here and there. Yeah, get some good chocolate, get some Reese's, Snickers. Just make sure you mix it up. Don't be, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself. Okay. All right. Well, you know, if you're uh, if you're wondering, you know, why we're talking about candy so much, it's because we're called Chowder and Grits. And, uh, you know, we are an ACC and Hokies podcast. Thanks for joining. Hit that subscribe button. We typically talk about football, but we like to mix in a little bit of uh, of the fun banter here and there, and especially around uh, fun seasons like Halloween. So I'm sure we will have a few more conversations around candy as we uh, as we get going. I hate that um, you just called that banter because I feel like they're gonna think this was somehow like something premeditated. I just want to clear the air here. Is ban- does banter indicate premeditation? I don't know. You know, podcast banter. It's like yeah, we're bantering. You know, we're going back and forth. Okay. We that talked was a about bad the choice subject. of words. Th- this was totally off script. Right. I, I have I no just notes like candy. about candy in front of me. I just like candy, <laughs> and it's Halloween. And yeah. honestly, if we could turn this into a candy and college football podcast, I could be into that. So but uh, considering that you We're like plain M and M's, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Okay, listen. If you don't like plain M and M's, I think there's something wrong with you. Because I mean, you it's, like, it's, if you like plain M and M's, you tuck your T-shirt into your khaki shorts. I'm just okay. saying well, that's what's that happening. And if you do that, if that hit a little too close to home, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never, never done that and uh, never planned to. So maybe I'll venture out, you know, the next time I think about buying a bag of M&Ms, you know, in the next three to five years, I'll, I'll venture outside of the milk chocolate. But if you like plain M&Ms, you buckle your seatbelt, even if you're just going to move your car in your driveway. So you don't like plain M&Ms. Is that what you're no, getting at? I'm a rogue. I'm a rogue, buddy. I like but, peanut like, M&M's. I like all M&M's. White chocolate M&M's. I like them all. But if you're talking about the plain, come on. Come on. Who likes plain M&M's? Accountants? Get out of here. <laughs> We're a bad uh, boy podcast. I'm just so confused. I like plain M&M's. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just going to I'm gonna be van- <laughs> vanilla today. That's just what I'm going to be. Look, nothing wrong with it, man. <sighs> nothing wrong with it. They're the triple right. option offense of uh, candies. Congratulations. I thought I thought you were going to say like a Scott Leffler, just not very Ooh. good. No, 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 no. I would never besmirch the name of M&M's in general uh, with that connotation. No, sir. No, Scott Loeffler, if, if Scott Loeffler was a candy, he would be those generic peanut butter candies that come in the black and orange wrappers that you only see on Halloween. Okay. Now, he's, he's kind of like the sugar cube that's, uh, that's in your great-grandmother's living room. Ooh. It's a hard sugar cube. Sorry. Ooh, okay, so great-grandmother's living room. You remember those strawberry candies that came in the wrapper that looked like oh. a strawberry and they had that soft The strawberry center? candies, the Rolos, and mm. the sugar cubes. Mm. I would yeah. eat the strawberry candies. That's, that's grandma's house, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, this has gone off the rails. 
let's let's <laughs> let's jump over to football. So, uh, Tim, North Carolina, Virginia Tech this week, UNC on the road, and uh, you know this game means a whole lot more than what we expected it to mean Absolutely. coming into the season, and. Uh, Basically, where we're at right now in the ACC Coastal is, you know, it's up for grabs. Anybody can take it for the most part. You know, we've got a Duke-UVA matchup that we're going to get to later. That's basically a battle for first place of the Coastal all alone. And then we've got North Carolina and Virginia Tech. And so UNC right now has one conference loss. That is to Wake Forest. Virginia Tech has two, Boston College and Duke. So it is a very important game for both schools, especially Virginia Tech, because if they want a chance at winning the Coastal, and I'll be the first to say it is an outside chance right now, because if I think Virginia Tech is going to go undefeated from right now through the end of the year, if I told you that right now as I'm sitting here, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, if it does happen, that'd be great, but... I just don't think it's going to happen right now. So I still need to see a little bit more out of Virginia Tech, out of the offense. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker has looked good in the last two games. Uh, obviously only the one game against an F- FBS school. Uh, but it was a big one nonetheless against a very good defense in Miami, a, a much better defense than what he's going to face against North Carolina. So, you know, North Carolina, if you, if we look at their offense, it doesn't – the numbers don't really jump off the page at you. And – you know, they are a team that's been battle-tested. So, you know, they've had a lot of big games. Uh, you know, they've played South Carolina. They've played Miami. They've played Wake Forest. Um, some other ones in there. Clemson, obviously. The Clemson game was was huge. But they're averaging 26.5 points per game. It's good for 85th in the FBS. 425 yards of total offense per game. So that's good for 53rd. So that's not terrible. And the biggest issue with North Carolina's offense, Tim, is I would say it's the offensive line. So the offensive line has given up 20 sacks so far this season. And, you know, it's really one of the key matchups in this game for me is the Virginia Tech defensive line against the North Carolina offensive line. You know, the defensive line has started to play better if I'm just going off of an eye test. You know, I'm no film expert. I'm not an X's and O's guy, but... From what I've seen, the Virginia Tech defensive line, you know, Javon Becton, you know, Emmanuel Belmar, Mario Kendricks, you know, those guys are starting to show out a little bit. What they're struggling with is making plays once they get into the backfield. And more of that swarming type of defense, that's not really there yet. It hasn't been there. But it's more of just guys with one-on-one getting to the backfield trying to make a play. I think if Virginia Tech can get that figured out in this game, it's going to go quite a ways because you know Sam Howell is a guy who can definitely beat you with his arm he's had a very good season over 1500 yards passing 15 touchdowns three picks this guy's a true freshman okay those aren't typically true freshman numbers he's got a completion percentage over 60 percent and if you mix a poor defensive line performance with the Virginia Tech secondary as it is currently constituted that's probably not going to work out in Virginia Tech's favor. And, you know, they are down Reggie Floyd in, at the safety position. And to be honest, like, you know, I'm, I'm a Reggie Floyd fan. He hasn't been that good over the last few weeks. No. So I am interested to see what Devon Hunter can do back there. It does sound like he's going to get the nod. Uh, you know, Shamari Connor in that, uh, in that whip linebacker role, he has been 
probably the defensive MVP so far this season. The guy can rush the passer. The guy can make tackles. The guy can cover a receiver. He can he can basically, he's your five-tool defensive player right now. And as long as they've got him back there making plays, they'll be good. I really like the speed that Alan Tisdale brings to the linebacker position. Rayshard Ashby is obviously a staple. But I really want to see what that defensive line can do. And Jermaine Waller has played really well. Caleb, Far- Caleb Farley has had moments. I'm still a little bit worried about the secondary. So Virginia Tech's pass defense, they've given up 328 yards per game over the last two games. Before that, before that, going into the Miami game, they had the 13th ranked passing defense in the country. Now, that might be more of a kind of a glamour statistic because they had played Boston College, they had played Old Dominion, they had played Furman. Right. But still, huge improvement over what we had seen last year. Now, after the last two games against Miami and Rhode Island, they're ranked 78th in the country. And I think what we've seen over the last two weeks is receivers running right open, you know, winning the one-on-one matchups with the secondary, easy dump-offs if, you know, the quarterback runs into issues in the backfield, guys running across the middle of the field unguarded. That can't happen against North Carolina. Sam Howell will make you pay for that. He likes to spread the ball around. He doesn't necessarily have a favorite receiver that he's going to. They've got a solid run game. And, by the way, if you've got any kind of lead in the fourth quarter, it's not safe with Sam Howell playing. The guy is, his name is Cardiac Sam for a reason. At least that's what I call him. I couldn't think of a better nickname from last (laughs) episode to this one. But, you know, the Hokies cannot take their foot off the pedal on defense when it comes to Sam Howell. So, I don't know what you feel about that, but those are kind of my keys for the Virginia Tech defense going into this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm certainly with you. I'm nervous. I don't think this is a great matchup uh, for Virginia Tech in this case. Um, you know, like you said, guarding receivers has been a trouble, a troublesome spot for us as of late. Um, you're going to have guys come in that have been making plays on the edge. Uh, Daz Newsome, Deami Brown. Uh, you know, you got players making plays in the backfield, which is always a tough combination for us. Uh, Javante Williams is no slouch. Uh, everybody knows about Michael Carter. But really the catalyst of everything is Sam Howell, and he's the guy they're getting production from at a clip that I didn't expect them to get from the quarterback spot this year. Um, you know, he is a true freshman. He's not playing like one. He's protecting the ball. He's getting the ball into the end zone. It's tough. It's a tough matchup. So we're looking at, you know, a team coming in to Lane Stadium. And I'm almost at the point where I'm tired of hearing about Lane Stadium being a tough place for visiting teams to play. As hard as it is to hear, the confines at Lane Stadium have been very friendly uh, for opposing teams. And I think that's one of the things, if you're Justin Fuente, that you go and focusing on here, is that we've been pushed around in our own home stadium. There was a time where it was known as the Terror Dome. You know, that's deteriorated. We're at the point now where we need to make a statement, and that's that we aren't going to have teams come in here and push us around. Add in the layer of how important this game is, not just for this season in a vacuum, but for recruiting. Um, North Carolina is the biggest threat in the state of North Carolina from a recruiting standpoint. Right now, Virginia, Virginia Tech can't recruit its way out of a wet paper bag. If we lose this game to North Carolina, that only hurts us 
and, and, and our visibility uh, in North Carolina. So, you know, that's where a bulk of our, our best players come from. If you look at the roster this year, I mean, we got Trey Turner and Alan Tisdale just at the top of my head uh, recently in North Carolina. Dax, who's obviously going to be playing hard this game. But we've got all these things going on in the periphery here of why this game is so important. And we've got matchups on the offensive side of the ball that make me extremely, extremely nervous. Now, to the flip side, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of life out of Virginia Tech's offense that I don't think we saw in the beginning of the season. The offense clearly, uh, after two games, runs much better with Hinton Hooker at the helm. Um, and I was looking at a statistical breakdown today, uh, and it's, it's impressive how many yards. Uh, we're getting almost one more yard on average each play first and second down, which is leading to us to convert way more third downs at a higher clip because we're no, no longer hitting third and long every time we have the ball. We're having some easily convertible third and shorts. And so those first and second downs are really where we're seeing Hendon Hooker shine. Uh, those three-yard runs, those four-yard runs he's opening up for the running backs and that he's taking himself has made a huge impact on what we're able to do offensively. Now, we're nowhere where we need to be. I, this is not saying that this is not a glowing review of the offense or saying that there are no worries for us. We are just playing much better than we were. There are still a lot of holes, and consistency has been another hole. Are we going to see another, a third week in a row where the offense looks like it has a pulse? Um, that's the main question to me, because, uh, you know, as far as the matchup goes, we're going to need all the help we can get on offense because I think our defense is a really, really bad matchup against this UNC team. Yeah, and, you know, I think um, I think coming into the season – you know, not necessarily against North Carolina, but like let's say a team that has is built like North Carolina. Like let's say we were going up against Florida State. I would have expected that we were gonna run into some defensive matchups, but I would have expected or defensive mismatches, but I would have expected that our offense was going to be able to score enough points to, you know, make it competitive. Right. Because we came into this season thinking that our defense was the the weakest point. Our, our weakest asset on the field. No doubt. But that hasn't been the case. In fact, it's been the best of both sides of the ball before Hendon Hooker took over. That's right. And I still think we have a lot of unknowns with the offense because, you know, we've only seen two games of Hendon Hooker. You know, the Rhode Island game, you know, he played really well, but it was Rhode Island. So... You shouldn't really read too much into that. I would just look at it more as, you know, it was a great game for him to get some experience, get some reps. You know, if we, if we look at the second half of that Miami game, the Virginia Tech offense did next to nothing. Right. Now, the one big takeaway that I had from that game and from that half, from the offensive standpoint, was that when Hendon Hooker needed to respond, he did. Absolutely. And that is something that our offense has been been missing. And it kind of brings a little bit of toughness. I'd say the offense has a little bit of swag right now. It's an offense that looks like it can't have success running the football as long as Hendon Hooker is back there executing the offense. And North Carolina is a team that is somewhat vulnerable in the run game. You know, they've given up 160 yards per game on the ground. And since Hooker has come in, over the last two games, Virginia Tech has 378 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Right. So that's four touchdowns over two games. They had that in every game total before Hooker took over. So what he's done for the run game 
has been impressive. You know, we're, we're going to see a full slate of receivers. We should expect to see Phil Patterson back. Trey Turner sounds like he's going to be back. We've got Damon Hazleton back. You know, James Mitchell, Dalton Keene. This offense has weapons. We just got to take advantage of them. And I think Hendon Hooker will be able to do that against North Carolina. Now, will we be able, will Virginia Tech be able to keep pace if this game gets into a shootout situation? I don't know. I'd have to see that first before I could answer that question or at least give a more valid opinion. I don't know if Virginia Tech offensively could keep up in a shootout type of environment. They certainly couldn't keep up with the Wake Forest Louisville pace. I wouldn't expect that to happen. Right. And I also don't think North Carolina offensively is going to run up and down the field on Virginia Tech's defense. I think defensively, we're a little bit better than that this year. Do I think there's going to be a big player two given up by the defense? Probably. I mean, we've seen it in almost every game this year. So for us to think that that's not going to happen might be a little bit unrealistic. But how the team responds is what's going to be the important part. Because what we saw in the Duke game was a team that got hit in the mouth and they folded. What we saw in the Miami game was a team that got punched in the face and they punched back harder. And that's what we as fans are interested to see and hope that we keep seeing on the football field. And it seems like this team has a little bit of momentum. And I know they didn't play like super great game or up to expectations against Rhode Island. But again, I think we've hit on that enough. You know, it's a tough game to get up for. You know, they weren't at full health. You know, they might have had a uh, more conservative game plan. So I'm not going to look into it too much. Virginia Tech, if they can come out, they can run the football. They can mix in Deshaun McLeese. They can mix in Sean King. You know, maybe a little bit of Taj Gary. That doesn't sound like it's off the table from what from what we've heard out of Fuente. Fuente seems like he might be open to playing Taj Gary more if Taj Gary can keep giving him good reps on the field. Because it sounds like he was very impressed with what he saw uh, in the limited action that he played against Rhode Island. So I do like the offense to put up some points. You know, my final takeaway for this game, you know, Virginia Tech, Dax, Dax Hollyfield said it in the in the press conference yesterday. They haven't played a complete home game since William & Mary at the start of last season. And he was right. They've been absolutely horrendous outside of that game at home. So when, when are they going to turn the page as a program? Right. Who cares about what's happened? You can't change it. It's over. The poor performances, you know, the empty stands, you know, the negativity in the press from the fan base. You want to change that? You start winning home games. You start winning games that matter in conference. Nobody's going to hold it against you if you lose to Notre Dame. They will hold it against you if you get blown out by North Carolina at home. So this team... I think, has found an identity offensively with Hendon Hooker. They're working better. The run game's better. And most importantly, they're holding on to that football. The most disciplined team on Saturday wins the game. And if the Hokies, they have that lead in the fourth, they better hang on. They better not take their foot off the pedal because I'm telling you, Sam Howell knows how to lead a fourth quarter comeback. But... Hooker has shown that he's able to answer the bell if it rings. 
I want them to start making them, as in Virginia Tech, Lane Stadium a difficult place to play again because you hit it, you hit the nail on the head earlier. It's not right now. It's a place for people to go and to get some swag of their own and to create their own videos and to say that we went into Virginia Tech and we dominated them. Well, that that's got to start changing. So I want the fans, if you're going to this game, if you're a student at Virginia Tech, if you're a student at Virginia Tech and you got season tickets or you got tickets to this game, why don't you go and, and watch some clips from 2005, 2006, 2007? Even go watch the Virginia Tech-Miami clip in 2011. Look at the stance. The noise. You didn't see any bleachers. You didn't see any people funneling out. And yeah, the product on the field was a little bit better. But at the same time, if you're going to be a fan of the program, if you're going to be a supporter, you need to be in the stands. You need to be supporting your team. What else are you going to be doing at a 5.30 on a Saturday afternoon? Nats are already in the World Series. So let's go ahead and not use that as an excuse this time. Stay at the game the whole time. Scream really loud. Don't have a voice on Sunday. And go watch the Virginia Tech Hokies knock off North Carolina. Go 2-2 two and two in conference. I think the Hokies do it. I think this is a statement game for Justin Fuente and the football team. I think it will be a close game, but I expect Virginia Tech to come out on top. Yeah, I mean, I like your line of thinking. Um, This is certainly a flashpoint. This is an absolute turning point uh, for the Virginia Tech Hokies, and this is their chance to have a statement and make a statement as far as what they intend to do this season. Um, There's no doubt it's going to be tough. you got a two-headed monster in the backfield. you got a quarterback and Sam Howell, that can absolutely sling the ball around. If you're Virginia Tech, you have to come out here and perform. If you're Justin Fuente, you've got to get your team ready. Go look at the tape of what they did to, uh, of what Wake Forest did to Sam Howell. Uh, You know, he's been bottled up on occasion, one with Clemson, obviously anybody would, but look at what Wake Forest did with a middling to below average defense against Sam Howell. It is possible to contain that UNC offense. Um, and if anybody's going to figure out how to do it, I have all the faith in the world that Bud Foster will. However, I think UNC is just far too balanced on offense. They can beat you in far too many ways, and I think Vegas is spot on here. <clears throat> I see UNC escaping Lane Stadium with a three-point win. Um, you know, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that I see a great performance from Hendon and company on the offensive side. I hope I see Dax make many, many plays uh, on defense, as he so direly needs to do. Um, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately, Um, you know, but I'll be rooting as hard as I can on Saturday. There's no question. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, uh, again, big game for for Fuente, for the program, from a recruiting standpoint, especially with the momentum that North Carolina has built up this season, uh, recruiting the state of North Carolina. It's a difficult place to recruit right now. I mean, North Carolina's got a decent amount of talent. You know, they're probably a top 10, top 11 you know, recruiting factory from a high school football standpoint, but it's an important market for Virginia Tech. And, you know, they've shown recently that they've struggled to pull in top talent in state, you know, guys that are, you know, top 12, releasing their top 12s out of the 757 don't even have Virginia Tech in them because, you know, quote unquote, the coaches aren't contacting them. So, you know, I don't know what the, uh, what the issue is there, but it's probably going to start with winning. And you'll start to see those recruits start to consider the program a little bit more. So, Agreed. you know, big uh, big deal for Virginia Tech. 
Uh, let's go ahead and jump around to the rest of the games in the ACC. So we do have more Friday night action. I think this is just like, you know, an ACC. Like, does the ACC have a contract with ESPN? We for Friday night there football? must be some of that going on because it's every Friday. It's, it's been every single Friday. Mm-hmm. So Pitt at Syracuse, seven p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Panthers are a three-point favorite. So interesting game. Five of the last seven in the series have been decided by seven points or less. However, Syracuse has only won two of those games, 2012 and 2017. It is a pretty big game for Pitt as far as their ACC coastal standings are concerned. Syracuse, you know, the ship has sailed on them having any chance in conference. They still don't have a conference win. They're 0-2. Uh, so, but Pitt, Pitt is 1-1. One and this will definitely help them keep pace. They obviously that one came against Virginia, the loss. So uh, they need to uh, to keep winning to have a, a pretty good shot at at being the coastal representative in the ACC championship game for the second year in a row. They're also coming off a bye, so you know maybe that's helpful against a team like uh, Syracuse. But you know it felt like Pitt had a little bit of momentum heading into that bye week, so. You know, sometimes that bye week can be more damning than uh, than positive. But, you know, at the same time, Tim, Syracuse seems like they're heading in the opposite direction. And this doesn't feel like a good matchup for Syracuse. Defensively, Pitt is very strong, especially that defensive line. We just saw a performance from NC State against Syracuse where the offensive line gave up eight sacks. Right. So that can't spell good things for DeVito. He's a quarterback who seems to be at somewhat of a major crossroads this season. Maybe a little bit shell-shocked, maybe a little bit in over his head, you know, a little bit fragile after what we saw on the sidelines last week. So the Syracuse offense just hasn't been good. And if you take away the Holy Cross in the Western Michigan games, they've averaged only 15 points a game and haven't scored 25 in any of them. Any game this year, if you take those two games out. So that just tells you how bad the offense has been. They haven't been able to run the ball consistently, and DeVito hasn't been consistent. The art, the offensive line has been bad. Can you pick it on the other hand? He's been pretty solid all season. It's a pit team under Mark Whipple. Offensive coordinator loves to throw that rock around. Pick will probably have 50, 55 pass, pass attempts. You know, Paris Ford, defensive back, he's really been coming on uh, for them defensively. He will miss the first half in this game for targeting. Um, from a previous game, but you know, I I just like the defense of Pitt to carry them to victory in this one. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a really fun game to watch. It's probably going to be pretty ugly from an offensive standpoint. Um, and I mean, I won't be shocked if Syracuse wins, but I will be less surprised if Pitt wins by ten points than if Pitt were to lose. Sure. I mean, look, we're playing the funeral march here on Syracuse's hopes and dreams this season. They're, they're sitting in a tough spot at 0-2, right? Pitt's coming into the Carrier Dome, and I feel something special about Syracuse at the moment. I think they're going to get a win. DeVito had a really, really rough game in Carter-Finley Stadium last week. The program itself needs to rally. Dino Babers is one of the best at rallying his troops in a home game An ACC home game comes at the right time on a Friday night against Pitt, 
against a pit team that's not going to blow your doors off offensively. And I think it's a pit defense that they can get some plays on and stretch them out horizontally. I see Syracuse getting a win here, and I see it because their backs are against the wall. They are staring at the hangman's noose, and they need this win. And I think they will get it, because if you go 0-3 in the ACC, that is super tough sledding for the rest of the year. But if you're going to salvage anything to this point, and you're going to get this season back on track, you are going to fight like dogs to beat the Pitt Panthers in the Carrier Dome. And I think they're going to get it done. Obviously, it's going to be a close game. um, But I think Syracuse is going to take this one. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it is at Syracuse. So that they got that going for him. But, you know, I'm I'm more of in a kind of show me uh, situation for Syracuse at the moment. I feel just a, a slight bit better about Pitt coming off that bye, but it is Pat Narduzzi. So you never know, you know, what's going on with him in that program. So he could be a loose cannon. He could, you know, have a couple of, uh, you know, personal fouls on the sideline could, could just spark a comeback for Syracuse. Who knows? Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes down. Clemson at Louisville, Tim. Noon Eastern ABC. Tigers are 24 and a half point favorites. So that's less than the amount of favorites or points they were favored by against Florida State. You know, both teams have uh, what you would call high-powered offenses so far this year. They're both averaging almost 500 yards per game. That being said, one defense is far superior to the other one that we're going to see in this game. Very much so. So the Clemson defense is, you know, I'd say a superior unit, you know, one of the best in the country. The Cardinals defense has been just downright awful. Uh, They're giving up about 440 yards per game. Uh, You know, Louisville as a whole has proven they can score points, uh, but they love to give up a bunch of points too. So, you know, I I don't like Louisville's chances in this game. I do think they will score some points. I don't think they're going to be shut out entirely. You know, it sounds like Evan Conley, uh, the true freshman, is going to get the nod at quarterback. Uh, Mikael Cunningham is uh, probably out for a few weeks. I haven't seen the exact uh, injury that he had to his leg, but it looked pretty nasty when I was watching the game. So I'm not sure where uh, where he is health-wise, but, you know, sounds like Conley's going to get the start. I won't be surprised to see Louisville score a few points, but I do expect Clemson to score a lot more. I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, 56-28 for a final. Cardinals keep it interesting early on, but the Tigers pull away. Yeah, no, I think so too. Uh, worth noting that Puma passes out for the year. He's going to have surgery. Um, so uh, tough luck to him. Um, but weirdly enough, I mean, Conley came in and played so well for Louisville. Louisville's offensive scheme feels like that it will translate well against whoever they play because of how effective they are in the ground. I think this is going to be tougher than Vegas expects. I don't think Louisville's going to win the game by any stretch of the means. But I do think they'll give Clemson a hard time for the first 10 to 15 minutes of that game. Uh, you know, Satterfield's scheme, Ledford's scheme, as I, I point out, uh, continues to be a problem for just about everybody that plays Louisville. Um, and what they did uh, with Wake was was really, really impressive to me. And I think that they can uh, at least put up a good enough fight against Clemson to make it slightly entertaining for a half. So um, I'm with you. Clemson pulls away. But this one could be fun to watch for the first, you know, 30 minutes or so. NC State at Boston College. This game is noon central. Regional coverage on the ACC network. 
Wolfpack only a three-point favorite, which is a little surprising to me. And this is after Anthony Brown, the Boston College quarterback, has been ruled out for the remainder of the season after a leg injury against Louisville. So, big loss for the Eagles there. You know, that means Dennis Grossell is going to be the guy. Redshirt sophomore making his first start against a pretty formidable defense. A defense is coming off an eight-sack performance against uh, Syracuse. They've got 16 sacks in their last two games. You know, if BC has shown anything, it's that they have a vulnerable offensive line. And uh, if we remember the Kansas game, they got run all over. So I would look for NC State to utilize their running backs, Jordan Houston and Bam Knight. Uh, pretty heavily in this one. You know, BC, they're obviously going to be relying on A.J. Dillon and David Bailey, but I think the defense probably knows that. So I feel like Dennis Grossell is going to have to get into a situation where he's going to have to try and win the game with his arm. I just don't think it's going to happen in this one. You know, Bailey Hockman, let's see what he can do against a, you know, not a strong Boston College defense. I would expect him to have a pretty decent game. If he doesn't, I'll be a little bit concerned. Uh, but, Tim, I don't know what you think about this one, but I think NC State wins by quite a few more than the three points that they're favored by. Yeah, I like NC State certainly more than the spread, although working in Grossell's favor are the issues at cornerback for NC State. So you have, um, obviously, McLeod starting cornerback on the year, still status is up in the air with the injury that he's suffering from. Um, and then you have Ingram, who went down the second-string cornerback last game, so Tashawn Smith is really going to have to step up. Uh, they're going to need to get production and the pass pro from some backups and some guys who weren't expected to see such large roles at this point in the year. That helps, and that goes in Grossell's favor. Um, but as you mentioned, that is a stingy front seven when it comes to the run, and I don't expect that to change no matter who they're going against. I think they'll get enough pressure, one, on the quarterback, but two, I think they'll contain A.J. Dillon no problem. Um, and, and, you know, he'll get his about 80 yards, but I think it'll be – uh, tough sledding for him. Um, and, you know, Grossell, uh, if he can keep the mistakes to a minimum, uh, they'll be in the game. It'll be a close one. But I do think NC State is just going to, no matter who plays at quarterback, whether Bailey Hockman has to end up leaving after the first few drives because of inconsistency or Devin Leary goes in and produces really well, I think NC State's going to end up winning this one by about 10 points. Um but it won't be easy. You know, injuries have really decimated NC State to this point in the season. You hate to see it, but that big guy in the middle of the defensive line, Lorel Murchison, is really, really coming on strong. Duke at UVA, 330 Eastern ACC Network. Huge game in the ACC Coastal. It's basically for the pole position. UVA, four-point favorite. Cavaliers, they have only scored 12 points in the last six quarters of play. They will look to change that against Duke, although Duke, the Duke defense has been pretty solid all season. Uh, the red zone offense, Tim, for Virginia has been really bad. And, you know, they scored nine points on six trips inside the Miami 30 uh, in their last game against uh, against the U on Friday night last week. That's not going to get it done no matter who you're playing. You know, top that on the fact that UVA has allowed 13 sacks, that UVA offensive Oof. line for Bryce Perkins in the past two games. 20 sacks the entire season and Duke comes in they're uh, a top 30 defense as far as getting to the quarterback they've they've got 17 sacks on the year so you know that's certainly a matchup to watch and you know the run game Duke allows 130 yards per game you know UVA is only averaging 102 I doubt UVA is going to 
hit that mark. They they've just been rushing for less and less yards over the last couple of games, and obviously the sack number uh, will will kill that number. But you know, Bryce Hall, if you haven't heard, he's going to be out for the season with an ankle injury. The All American cornerback for UVA. So they're in a situation now in their secondary where they're pretty thin because the guy behind him tore his ACL in the preseason. So now they're down to about the third, fourth guy that they would use at that boundary corner position. So it's going to be interesting to see how that holds up over the course of the game. Uh, You know, big game for both teams. Duke is entering a particularly difficult stretch of schedule. So this game for them is, is very important because... You know, you'd have to imagine they're going to lose one or two, you know, over the course of the stretch that they're going down. UVA needs to right the ship. You know, they got to get back in the win column. They got to stop the bleeding. And, you know, they're 0-2 in their last two games. You know, the allure around the Virginia program has, has taken a hit. It's not so shiny anymore. And to be honest, I'm a little bit torn on who to choose in this one because, from what we've seen out of Virginia the last six quarters, it's been pretty bad football. And they've shown signs of it throughout the entire course of the season. They showed signs of it down the stretch against Florida State where they looked extremely undisciplined, but they somehow still managed to hang on, you know, thanks to probably Willie Taggart doing a terrible job coaching. But I got to see a little bit more out of UVA. And if we get efficient Quentin Harris and an offense that can take advantage of that secondary, I think Duke's going to have a pretty nice day. I do expect this game to be very low scoring. Another ugly game. You know, more points than probably what we saw in the Miami-Virginia game, but probably not too many more. You know, Harris is a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess you could say inconsistent quarterback. He can look great. From week to week, he can look great one week. He can look terrible the next week. So, you know, how he plays is going to dictate the day for Duke. Neither team has a really strong running game, but I kind of like Duke to edge UVA in this one. I don't know why. Maybe ask me on Saturday. I feel a little bit different, but this game is a 50-50 toss-up for sure. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the 50-50 toss-up. Um you know, I can tell you why you're favoriting, you know, and leading towards Duke. It's because we haven't seen anything from UVA really all year that would suggest that they're anything more than a pretender at this point in the season. Um, they got exposed a little bit, obviously, uh, you know, against Miami. They haven't shown that they can consistently produce the offense that's needed uh, to be a serious, uh, you know, even though I say this, everybody in the Coastal at this point is a serious contender, Um for that that spot to to win the division. But if you look at the eye test, nothing about UVA gives you any confidence that they're going to be able to hang with Duke. Um and, and that's that's got to be concerning. You you look for the playmakers on the edge, where are the playmakers on the edge? Where is your playmaker in the backfield? Um you've got an offensive line that's hemorrhaging sacks with a quarterback that is highly mobile. Um imagine if they had a pocket passer how much worse that offensive line would look in hindsight when you just look at the raw numbers. UVA's got to figure something out on offense. Um, That defense is good enough to carry the day, but the defense is much, much weaker now that Bryce Hall is gone. Um, And you you hate to see it for Bryce Hall. It hurts. 
a guy that probably would have been a first-round draft pick had he last, left last year, uh, to go down in the manner that he did on special teams is just so fluky and so unfortunate. You're either going to be see a defense that's disheartened uh, without its leader, or you're going to see a defense that fights tooth and nail uh, for its fallen brother. And in this case, just you know, a, a side note, um, you know, definitely hoping the best for Bryce Hall. The guy is an insane talent, um, and you hope the injury doesn't affect his draft stock too much. Um, but what we're looking at today, the reason you don't have any confidence it's in UVA is because they haven't instilled any in you. Um, and nothing that I see or have seen, especially when you look at that offensive side of the ball, says that anything's going to change. Um, you know, at this point, the fact that it hasn't changed actually makes me much more negative on the Cavaliers than I was prior. Because you would hope at this point to see some improvement, but you really aren't seeing it. Um, you know, I'm going to go Duke in this one. I think it's going to be ugly, but I think Duke's going to win by 10 points. Uh, you know, Duke's got enough on defense to really make it a problem for UVA. And, and you know, Duke, obviously, scheme-wise, can get it done on offense, and Harris can get it done. Um, and, you know, I think he will, as you mentioned. I think he'll have some plays in the passing game, given that uh, UVA is down and, and their depth is hurting so bad at corner, a lot like NC State, that I think the plays are going to be there for uh, Harris to win the game for Duke. So give me Duke by 10. Um, but this is a massive, massively important game for UVA. Georgia Tech at Miami, noon Eastern ACC Network. Miami, an 18-point favorite. You know, I'd expect that they win by a few more than 18. Georgia Tech is in complete rebuild mode. You know, Hurricanes should easily get their second conference win of the season. You know, I'm not sure who's going to play quarterback. It sounds like Jaron Williams is progressing from that shoulder injury, so I wouldn't be surprised if he plays, but I wouldn't be surprised if they hold him out for another week just because I don't think they're really in danger of losing this game uh the Miami defense is too good the Georgia Tech rush defense is really terrible and DJ Dallas should have a really nice day I think Miami rolls in this one there's just this little chance you see in teams that maybe you know the culture is not right the coaching isn't quite there yet where they have a tendency to sleepwalk on teams that they expect to beat fairly handily the Citadel. Right. I know. But Georgia Tech could potentially make this a close game. Anything can happen with this kooky Miami team. Manny Diaz, is he in over his head or is he not? I don't know. There's a lot of storylines here. Georgia Tech's coming in at one, you know, one and five. No one's giving them a chance. And who knows how much of the their own press clippings the Miami team has read since they beat UVA. This has all the makings of a letdown game. Now, in a letdown game where you'd expect to see the underdog win, it's usually a much closer talent gap than this. If Georgia Tech was able to pull this one off, I would be stunned. But what I am saying is I don't expect Miami to come in and blow the doors off here. I think they're going to have a little hangover from the UVA win. Um, And I think that there are some problems with the coaching staff that's going to need some time to get worked out. Um, and maybe Miami comes in and sleepwalks a little bit is uh, going to be my prediction here. So are you saying they're going to lose? No, no, no. I think it's going to okay. be a close game, a much closer game than anyone expects. Uh, maybe uh, probably within 10 points, let's call it. I think Georgia Tech's going to hang in there tough against Miami. Uh, there's a lot of factors pointing me towards the underdog in this case. Unfortunately, the underdog is just so much of an underdog that I could never take them uh, in the game 
you know, in good faith. But I do think this is going to be much closer. I think Georgia Tech's going to go out there and fight, uh, fight for Jeff Collins. Yeah, there's no doubt. And they've shown all season that they are playing pretty hard. They're just overmatched in almost every game that they play. So no doubt. I think, uh, you know, a backdoor cover wouldn't surprise me. But to keep it close consistently throughout the game, I'd be kind of kind of surprised. But you know, it is Miami, so they they are uh, you know the bipolar team of the ACC Coastal, you could say. Look, this is the ACC Coastal, baby. Yeah. Look, there are no weeks off. This all is where hands, the big boys play football. All you hands know? on deck. Look, the last place team could sneak you any minute. That's why the ACC Coastal is so wacky and so fun. This is elite conference football here. We're talking about elite conference football. Florida State at Wake Forest, last game of the week to talk about. So we've got that game coming to you at 7.30 Eastern on the ACC Network. I have not seen a line on this game yet. I'll double-check that. But, you know, FSU, they've had a horrendous showing, coming off a horrendous showing against Clemson. The line, by the way, is Wake by two. Wake by two. Okay. So it seems like Vegas is a little bit undecided. Um, But, you know... FSU, they used the two-quarterback system against Clemson. You know, they both combined for three interceptions. You know, Cam Makers couldn't get going. They only held the ball for 20 minutes on offense total. You know, the good news for the Seminoles is that the Wake defense is a much easier matchup. It's porous. Uh, I do expect another very high-scoring game. You know, both team defenses can give up points. The FSU defense is definitely better than Wake's. Uh, but they're also going to be on the field for much longer, I think, than than the Wake Forest defense, which I think will give the Wake offense a slight edge. I do also think that Dave Clawson was very upset with how his team played against Louisville last week. Oh, yeah. So I expect a much more focused team coming in to this game. And I'd be really surprised if if Wake Forest lost in back-to-back weeks. The one thing I'm watching for, we don't know if Jamie Newman is going to play yet. You know, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, a little bit earlier than we typically do uh, because of some travel travel restrictions on Wednesday. But as of right now, you know, the Nats are up 7-4. to four. We're assuming they're going to go to the, uh, go to the World Series. We're going to go ahead and assume Jamie Newman plays on Saturday. If he doesn't, most likely you're looking at Sam Hartman, which Sam Hartman, you know, hey. he... He gets the four games to play until he has the redshirt. I think he's only played in one game, which was last week. So I think they'll be okay with Sam Hartman playing. But let's monitor that shoulder injury. I do like Wake Forest in this game at home. I do think it will be close. I do think there will be points scored. But I do look for a more disciplined team and a team that plays much better on special teams in Wake Forest. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going wake in this one. I've not seen enough consistency out of Florida State this year. You keep expecting that talent and that ability to shine through, and it has on occasion, but they've been glimpses. Uh, we haven't gotten a good look at a consistent Florida State team all year. I have no reason to believe they'll be able to knock off um, Wake Forest at Wake Forest, given the fact that their offense has been so prolific. Um, I think Hartman or Newman is enough to get the job done in this case. Clawson's offense, again, schemed as well as it is. Uh, It's tough for any defense to come in there and stop, Um, but especially a defense that tends to be tired out by the end of the game. Um, So, yeah, give me Wake in that one. I think Wake's going to come out and get a a good win 
I don't know how easy it'll be, but you know, maybe a, a 14 point win sounds about right for me. Um, you know, that that's much higher than the spread indicates, but you know, I'm still high on this wake team, regardless of how bad they looked against Louisville. Uh, you know, I'll take wake and Winston Salem and, uh, you know, troubles continue to mount for Taggart. Yeah. So I think, I think we're ending the near of the Willie Taggart era. It's, uh, you know, I guess get your last few punches in if you're a Florida state fan, cause I don't think that punching back is going to be there for much longer. Uh, but if they could win, you know, Hey, maybe maybe that era can end on a little bit of a stronger note. But you know, that's all we have for you today. Unless Tim, unless you have any uh, any final words that you'd like to get in. No, it's just I'm looking at this soundboard with the Halloween sounds, and one of the buttons is Leprechaun. Is are Leprechauns in any way tangentially associated with Halloween? No, and I I don't know what kind of sound they would make. Well, let's find out. <laughs> All right, and there you have it. That's a well, it's pretty that's terrifying. An, it's an uncomfortable sounding leprechaun. I thought they were a jovial, small Irish folk. I didn't know that they laughed like that. That's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The things you learn from a soundboard on yeah. Halloween. But I, sh- I shall download more uh, for different uh, holidays moving forward. There's no doubt. So we are Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. Thanks for joining the show. If this is your first time, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, let us know what kind of candy you like. And, uh, you know, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to to podcasts. Or go ahead and go to chowderandgrits.com. You can listen to us there. You can follow us on Twitter, Chowder and Grits, Facebook, at Chowder and Grits. Tim, why don't you tell these fine people what they can do for us? Feel free to leave us a review, a share our post on social media. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, keep tuning in. Tell your friends. Let them know how much fun you have listening to us twice a week. Um, the more people you can steer our way, the better. We're eternally grateful for it. Um, we love recording these episodes, and we look forward to doing more in the future. So just help us out. Do all we can to make this uh, reality possible, and we'll keep pumping out good episodes for you. As we move forward, I'm going to leave you guys as usual with a Go Hokies and Go ACC as we head into this game week, and we look forward to speaking to you guys on the flip side. See you guys later.